Well, so I want to share with you what the Lord's given me. It's 1109. Amen. Looks like the Hollywood strobe lights are getting ready to flash on me. Makes me feel famous. I missed you guys last Sunday. I was sitting at home watching it on the big screen. Thought, man, wow. Wish I was there. So I'm here today. And I and this past week I was working on the prophecies and politics thing again. I have another one I want to share with you here shortly about the times that we're living in. There is nursery today, by the way, guys. There is nursery if you need nursery. Um, is, who's in the nursery today? Is Amy? Amy Joe's in the nursery. So if you need nursery, there is nursery. But all week long, after Johnny was preaching in about Egypt last Sunday, and he brought something up, and there was something that stuck out in my mind, and so I want to talk to you today about it. The Lord kept bringing me back to this. I kept working on politics and prophecy, and the Lord kept bringing me back to this thought. So I want to talk today about pain. I want to talk to you today about pain. Here's some sayings I found about pain. Not only does pain break us, it molds us into better people. Feeling pain is normal. Overcoming it is an achievement. Pain hits like a train, but there's no pain like the pain of knowing that you gave up. And then we've all heard this next saying, no pain, no gain. That's when you're working out. That's when you're running for a marathon, you're training, and you know you, the last two miles of that 26-mile training just about eats your lunch. I guarantee you the first mile of the training would eat my lunch. Because all I could think about is after this first mile, I got how many more, 22? What did, no, 25. It's a 26-mile Can you imagine running 26 miles? I can't imagine running 26 miles. That's like here to Altamont. That's a long way. I'd just rather drive. But anyway, no pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. Pain. What about pain? Why pain? What's going on with pain? Anybody ever had pain in your life? Three of you. All right. The rest of you are superheroes, man. Hallelujah. Megan, did you like that song? <laughs> she was she's sitting there clapping tears. I mean, yep, it's getting a hold of her. Pain. What about pain? There's purpose in pain. That's what I want to talk to you about today. Purpose in pain. I got a lot of scripture, so I'm going to fly. Genesis chapter 37, verse 13. We're going to talk about Joseph first. Genesis 37, verse 13. We're talking about Joseph. And Israel, who is Jacob, Joseph's father, said to Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here I am. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether... It, is, it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vow of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And the man said, uh, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. 
And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. Now Joseph was a dreamer. Joseph was a dreamer, and Joseph had dreams. And in these dreams, he dreamed that the sun and the moon and the stars would bow down to him. In this, another dream, he dreamed that they were all in the field, and there were these sheaves of, of wheat, of, and all these ones bowed down to his. And so they didn't like what Joseph was dreaming. Listen, you're always going to have haters in life. There's always going to be somebody that doesn't like you. I know it's hard to believe. It's hard. It's hard to believe. I remember years ago when I was on Facebook a little, a little heavier than I am now, I sent a friend request to someone that I thought was my friend, and he kept denying my friendship. And I couldn't believe it. And so finally I, he was online, and I caught him, and I sent a friend request again, and that joker deleted it again. Needless to say, we're not friends today on Facebook. But I thought that he was my friend. But you're going to have people who don't like you. Not everybody's going to like you. Don't even think about the haters. Think about the lovers. Think about the people who like you. If you concentrate on the bad stuff, it's going to pull you down. And so Joseph had these dreams and they offended his brothers. And his brothers conspired to slay him. And they said one to another, here comes the dreamer. Here he comes. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say that an evil beast hath devoured him. And we will see, we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben, who's the oldest, said, he heard it and he delivered him out of their hands and said, don't kill him. Let's don't kill him. And Reuben said, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness and lay no hand upon him that he might be that he might rid him of their hands and deliver him to his father again. So Reuben, the oldest one, had a plan. He had a plan to put him in the pit. Later he was going to come back and get Joseph out of the pit and take him back to his dad. Because Joseph was a favorite of daddy's. Joseph was a favorite son because Joseph was a son of the woman that Jacob loved more than his other wives, and that was of Rachel. And so... That was what they planned to do. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, that was handmade by his dad. So there was favoritism there already. And they took him and they cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread. Now how about that? They've just thrown him in a pit, and they're going to have to sit down and have lunch. Joseph is in the pit. I don't know if they dropped a sandwich down to him or not. But they put him in a pit. And they're sitting down to eat. And they lifted up their eyes and looked. And behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come on, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. And then there passed by Midianite merchantmen, and they drew him, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites, 
for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. How about some pain? How about pain of getting rejected by your very own family? Some of you have experienced that. You've been rejected by your own family. Some of you have experienced that pain where you thought that they were your, fl- your flesh and blood and surely that, that it's, uh, they'll take care of me. And it turns around they didn't take care of you. Um, my family was standing here today. And I love my family. All of us love our families. I'm thankful uh, that my, my kids always want to come home. I like that. Some of you are experiencing things where your kids don't want to see you. They didn't want to be around you. That would be hurtful. That would be painful. Rejection is tough enough. But when it's your own blood, when it's the people that maybe you help take care of, where you take care of somebody or you help somebody in a situation when they're having a tough time and then they turn their back on you, there's pain there. Joseph suffered the pain of rejection from his very own family. In Genesis 37, 29, Reuben returned to the pit. Joseph wasn't in the pit, and he rent his clothes. He tore his clothes, and he returned to his brethren and said, The child is not, and whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. Now watch this. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. Stop there. So Jacob identifies the coat. Jacob identifies this is Joseph's property. This is the coat that I made him. This is the coat that my hands spent many hours weaving and putting together for him. Watch what happens now. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. The boys said nothing to the sword. They didn't say anything. They let Jacob's human mind begin to roll. And you have to be careful when pain comes into your life that you do not let pain begin to allow doors to open in your mind that thoughts that are not true, that cannot be verified, begin to burst forth on the scene and on the horizon of your life, and you start to believe things that aren't even true. Amen? You've got to be careful not to believe things that have no evidence there, substantial evidence. Yes, there was a coat there. Yes, it was torn. Yes, it was bloody. But he supposed in his mind the worst. That's our nature. That's our nature. But remember, there's purpose in pain. You've got to remember that Joseph's coat was gone. Joseph's coat is now back in his daddy's hands, and it's ripped, and it's torn, and it's bloody. And Jacob is beginning to let his mind wonder. That's pain. Jacob suffered the pain of losing a child in his mind. That's not something that's supposed to happen in our lifetimes. Parents are not supposed to bury children. Parents are not supposed to lose children, according to the way we look at life. You know, 15 years ago, my mom was alive. My dad was alive. I don't know if anybody else thinks like this or a lot, but 
but there was a, this layer of humanity that was still between me and death. They were the grandparents. I was just a dad. But now they're gone. I'm the next layer. I'm the grandparent now. Holy smokes, I'm a grandpa. Whoa. Wow. You're not supposed to lose your kids. I know there's people and families in here. I know Sister D has lost several of her children. How many, Brother Art? Two. Sister D has buried two of her children. I, th- I thought it was three, but I, wasn't, uh, you, I thought you knew better. Three. She's lost three of her children. That's tough. That's pain. Jacob's thinking, I didn't even get to say goodbye. I didn't even realize that this would be the last time when I sent him away. I should never have sent him away. I shouldn't have sent him by himself. You know how you second-guess yourself. You know how we question in our minds what we should have done and how we didn't. And remember this, that when you say goodbye, keep that in mind. This might be the last time. We don't ever know. So Jacob is doing all of this, and he's tortured in his mind about this, the pain that Joseph may have endured against this wild beast and the attack that happened. And so all of these things are rushing in our minds. You've got to be careful. You've got to keep your mind tied to the Word of God. You've got to keep your mind tied to the Word of God and the principles of the Word that everything is going to be all right. Now, we all have different definitions of how everything is going to be all right. We want all right to be where there's no suffering, no pain, where there's no trial, where there's no hurt, where there's no pressure. We want it to be that. Amen? That's in our world. But there's purpose in pain. God does not waste pain, brothers and sisters. God does not waste anything that comes against us in our lives. As long as you and I are still in this earth, we're all going to have pain. We're all going to have disappointments. We're all going to have struggles. Genesis 37, 36 says, And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and the captain of the guard. Joseph was alive. Jacob didn't know it, but now Jacob is down in Egypt, and he's in Potiphar's house. Now, Potiphar trusted Jacob or Joseph with all of his possessions. Joseph was a trusted servant in the house of Potiphar. The only problem was Joseph must have been a handsome young man because Potiphar's wife had a fatal attraction to him. Genesis 39, 7, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth, how do you like that word, not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee. Because thou art his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Amen. I, I want you to know that inside of Joseph's heart, there was integrity. Inside of Joseph's heart, there was good character. The Bible says that Joseph had an excellent spirit in him. There was an excellent spirit found in Joseph. Whoops, wrong way. And it came to pass. Now, what happened was, I didn't put all these in here for the sake of time. What happened was, Potiphar's wife seduced Joseph, or tried to, and he was getting away from her. She grabs his coat. 
So she uses the coat as evidence. And when Potiphar comes home, he had been on a business trip. He probably went, I don't know, uh, L.A., New York, somewhere. When he got home, it came to pass that she tells him the story. And when he heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything wrong. But now Joseph finds himself in a prison. So he has been in a pit, and now he's in a prison. He's been in the pit, went to Potiphar's house, and now a prison. And he's done nothing wrong. Have you ever been accused of things that you didn't do? That's pain. The pain of people wanting to use you for their personal gain. The people wanting to just use you for what you can help them with. With nothing reciprocated in return. The pain of being used. The pain of being thought you're just a piece of equipment. You're just a piece of humanity. Where someone can walk on. The pain, watch this, of lying about you and your character. If there's anything that gets my, sends my fuse out and lit already is when people say I did something that I didn't do. Now I'm getting some mm, yeah huns here. You must have that same button. I mean, I don't, you, you not like me. You can be a hater. But listen, don't lie about me. Don't lie about me. Joseph had impeccable character. He had an excellent spirit. But there was pain about the lying. His reputation is on the line. He knows and he's fighting in his mind. You see, the battlefield is in our minds, brothers and sisters. We're fighting in our minds about, I know this isn't true. And we wrestle and say, well, maybe I did something and, and maybe, I should, maybe I should apologize. You know, after you've apologized 52,000 times, enough is enough. Okay, if they can't accept your forgiveness and your apology after 52,000 times, don't go 52,001. It's not worth it. Amen? So just keep it to yourself. Hold on to what you know is right, but there's pain there. There's pain that's inflicted there. Genesis chapter 40. Now, he, there's two men in Pharaoh's, uh, out of Pharaoh's palace here. If you notice, it says... They, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. So there are, uh, the king's prisoners are also in this prison. And that sets us up for this, where there's a, a baker and there's a cupbearer. And both of them have a dream. Long story short, the butler was restored to his, his uh, position and the baker was assassinated. The baker was ex- executed. He was killed. He said, Joseph said this, but think on me when it shall be well with thee and show kindness unto me and unto Pharaoh and make mention of me to Pharaoh and bring me out of this house. Sometimes you're going to be in places where you're not supposed to be, where you have no business being there, not because it was your intent, but it was because of someone else's action. It was because of someone else's intent. Sometimes it's painful to be somewhere where you know you don't deserve to be there. It's hard to be accused of something wrong when you did nothing wrong. And it's hard to be accused, not only of being accused of doing wrong, but being convicted of doing wrong. And so here you are sitting there in the prison of pain. 
pain. Oh, I hope this is helping somebody today. He said, for indeed I was stolen away out of the land of of the Hebrews. And here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. He just telling the cupbearer in Pharaoh's palace, remember me. Verse 23 of Genesis 40. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. The chief butler forgot about Joseph. The guy that interpreted his dream that he would be restored back to his place of service with Pharaoh had forgot about Joseph already. Too busy with somebody else's lives. How about that? You look at everybody else's lives. Let me say this. Everything you see on Facebook about everybody's life ain't true. Some people, they got all the good things going. You know what? I guarantee you, they got pain. I guarantee you, it ain't all like you think it is. It ain't all like they want you to think it is. It is not all like it appears to be. This cheap butler who's been restored has forgot about Joseph. What in the world? How about that? Being forgotten. Nobody remembers you. All those dreams and aspirations you had when you were a young man, Joseph. All the dreams of everybody bowing down to you. All the dreams of everybody, everybody here that's going to be in, in uh, uh, serving you and bowing down before you. Look at your dreams now. You're in a prison. You've been lied about. You had no advocate to help you. You have no witnesses to help you. You have nothing that's going to help you get out of this prison. Look at this, Joseph. You dreamed of all this royalty and splendor and all of this, uh, all these people bowing down, and you found yourself in a pit. And then you find yourself lied on in Potiphar's house and now imprisoned. What in the world? Life is not fair. If you think life is fair, Whoever told you that lied. I'll never forget it. 30 years ago, 30 years ago in this time in my life, Amy and I were out on the East Coast. We're in a church running about 400, 500 people. Very progressive church, a very dynamic worshiping church. We're in a staff meeting one day, and the pastor said something, and I looked and I said, That is not fair. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm full of age and wisdom. I'm probably 23. And I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. He was sitting back in his, in his chair behind his desk. And when I said, that's not fair, he came up from leaning back and put his arms on his desk and leaned over. Now listen, this guy was a big old guy, okay? His waist was a 50. How do I know that? Because I looked at the tag on his dry cleaner, okay? I asked him, he told me it was none of my business. So when he went in the store, I went through and looked at the tag, 50, all right? He's a big old boy. And he could, he could drive a golf ball 250, 300 yards. He was an athlete. I thought I could beat him in racquetball, Brother Dave. Ain't no way. That guy, I thought, that guy's so big, he can't get around that court. 
He wore me out. He just stood in one spot and just played. And I'm running after the ball. I about had a heart attack at 23. He leans up and puts his arms on the desk and says, Who told you that life was fair? I couldn't remember. I've never forgot that. Life is not fair. Bad things happen to good people. And it inflicts pain upon us. But guess what? There's purpose in pain. God wasn't really looking for at the personal level of pain of a young man or of a father at that point. God was not really concerned of the personal pain that was been, had been inflicted on Joseph or on Jacob at that point because God was getting ready to do something in his plan. God was getting ready to bring in uh, 400 years of slavery that would turn a family into a nation because God had promised and a man four generations before that had no children, that had no seed, he said, I am going to make you a great nation. And he said, kings will come from your families and your loins. And he's like, God, I don't have any children. And he said, I'm 75 right now. 24 years later, he's 99 years old, and Sarah is 75. And Sarah comes up pregnant at 75 years old. How about that? As Grandpa would say, ain't that something? God was positioning all the pieces to build that family into a nation. God was using Joseph. And I didn't even put it on here. It totally slipped my mind when I was putting this together. But when his brothers came into Egypt, and Joseph is now sitting in the palace, and he is the prime minister of Egypt. He is number two in the country. He, and he finally reveals to his brothers, he said, I am Joseph that you sold into slavery. And he said, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, there is purpose in pain. It is not comfortable. It is not, it is not fun. Pain is no good. Pain makes us think of crazy things. Pain makes our mouths say stupid things. Pain makes us attack those who are the ones supporting us. Pain makes us attack those who are the closest to us. Why is it that we talk to our spouse a certain way that we would never talk to anybody else out in the community? Well, I'm stressed. Okay. Stressy. If your name was Tessie... You'd be stressy, Tessie. We all get stressed, Tessie. Stressy, Tessie. Well, I'm stressed. But those people love you. Why are you reacting that way? It's pain. You're hurting. You can't control pain. What did they do with headaches before ibuprofen came along? What did they do with mean women before Midol came along? The men put on the whole armor of God. Amen. That's why you see all those knights riding horses in steel. Amen. Hey, we better go on. Amen. Good thing Amy's in the nursery. Hopefully she's not hearing this. God was getting ready to set up a nation and a lineage 
that would bring the Messiah into the world. God was getting ready to put together a bloodline that would birth the Messiah into this world. The Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. The pain of the slavery of Egypt did not matter to God. I'm here to tell you that really God doesn't care how much we suffer. See, I tried to hook you last night with bait and switch when I texted and said, I hope this, what I'm going to tell you in the morning, really helps somebody in business. Because you thought I was going to pass out candy. Amen. Cheese balls and Pepsi. They ain't no cheese balls and you ain't getting no Pepsi either. No drinking in the sanctuary. Hallelujah. Right? No cheese balls and Pepsi in the sanctuary. I'm trying to tell you that God is, has a plan and a purpose in each of our lives. And he will maneuver us through people's lives and into people's lives. And there will be pain in our lives because God uses purpose in pain. There is purpose in pain. When you think, I don't know how I'm going to survive this. When you, when you wonder, what is, what is, how can I get any glory out of this? How can I give you any glory out of this, God? Well, God says there's purpose in the pain that I'm putting you through because pain will produce a process. It will drive you to your knees if you will allow it to. It will drive you into the wilderness to fast and pray. It will drive you into a relationship that says, Lord, no matter what the cost, I'm willing to go because there's purpose in the pain. Amen? Can somebody give the Lord some praise and kind of help me through this dry spell right now? Yeah. I don't know if this is helping anybody or not. I'd rather be preaching about, you know, bucking, shucking and knocking the devil in the teeth, and we're running around here supercharged up and ready to go. No, we're going to talk about pain. There's pain right there. That's pain. You see, thousands of years before that happened, God was always in the process of putting the, all the pieces together because he had to send a family of 70 people into Egypt. What did God do? God allowed a famine, a worldwide famine, to bring all the pieces together. And in this worldwide famine, there would be a young boy that he would give dreams to that says, guess what? You're going to be used someday. You're going to be where people are going to bow down before you. And everybody around him hated him. Now his mom and his dad, they kind of liked some of those dreams until he said, I dreamed that the sun and the moon bowed down before me. Now dad said, I think you're just getting a little way out there now, son. You need to bring it in a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, watch your language. You need to watch what you're saying, son. Your dad and mom's going to bow down to you. Oh, they sure did. They sure did. What's God doing? God's putting it together thousands of years before this event right here that he brought that family of 70 into Egypt. He brought a worldwide global famine and a shortage of food, and he put in place a man named Joseph, a man that had wisdom and understanding of the times. And Joseph in his life went from the pit to Potiphar's house to the prison to the palace to the throne because there's pain in purpose, and there's purpose in pain. Pain has purpose. So the things that you're suffering with right now, that, why was that necessary? 
Why was all that necessary? That torturous physical pain that he, Jesus endured in the crucifixion, there was purpose in that pain. There was the rejection of those that he healed and delivered and set free, and now they're lying about you. There was a rejection of those that he healed and he delivered, and they're all, they're all one, they're, they all enjoyed it when he was feeding the multitudes with five loaves and two fish. They all enjoyed that. But when it came time and the pressure came on for somebody to vouch for him and be a witness, a character witness, nobody was found because it was pain. There's pain saying the things that they said you did, that you, they said you said things you didn't say. You ever been there? Somebody said something about somebody said something about somebody said, you said that? Are you kidding me? That's a he said, she said. Somebody said you did things that you did not do. That's pain. But there's purpose in pain. There's strength in pain. Hallelujah. Hebrews 12, chapter 2. What, what was it that caused him to stay on that cross? Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to look at the line for the joy that was set before him. You see, you've got to get your eyes off of the present pain that you're in, and you've got to get your eyes on the potential future that you have. You've got to get your eyes off the pain of the present to get your eyes on your faith for the future. There's a saying that goes like this, where there is no faith for the future, there is no power for the present. If you ask any, anybody who has been incarcerated, maybe in solitary confinement, a prisoner of war, a, a prisoner, a, a dissident, a prisoner of a political situation, and they've been in solitary confinement for days, weeks, months, years, time in, time out, by themselves. Listen, I was quarantined for 10 days, and I'm telling you, this about drove me crazy. I'm not going to go into all the details of what I did during quarantine, because this is a public platform, and I don't want anybody, never mind, amen. But it was hard. It's hard staying at home, especially when you're a social creature, and it's hard. What was it that kept these guys going? What kept them going was they had faith that one day they would be free. One day they would be different than what they are now. One day the situation wouldn't be as hard as it is now. And the devil's lying to them, and the devil is really chirping, and the devil's saying, guess what? I don't, I don't think that you're ever going to come out of this situation. You've got to have faith for the future. You've got to have faith for the future to give you power for the present to get you through with what you're going through. So what did happen here? Jesus, is say, there's joy. What did he see? Did he see 3,000 on the day of Pentecost that was baptized? Did he see 3,000 on the day of Pentecost that were filled with the Holy Ghost? Did he see the 5,000 in the book of Acts chapter 4? Or did he see the church of believers in Ethiopia that numbers over 3 million believers? There they are right there. That's one of their conferences in Wara, Ethiopia, 235 miles south of Addis Ababa, the capital of Ethiopia. You see what that is? You see all those people there? They're not sitting down. There's no pews. There's no chairs. They're standing there. My brother was at one of those conferences. He said in one service, 100,000 people received the Holy Ghost in one service. What was Jesus looking at on the cross? I think he was looking at something like this. 
Because if you can look forward and get the joy that's set before you, you can endure the pain that there is, is there for a purpose now. If you can just hang on through the purpose and the pain now, God is going to give you an ultimate pleasure later. There, there's some more pictures of it. All of those thousands and thousands of people. My brother said, you wouldn't believe how many blinded eyes were open, deaf ears were unstopped. He said, I think there was four or five people that they brought in that were dead, and, and God raised them from the dead at this conference. This conference happens every year. Why? What, was, what was the Lord looking at to let him stay on that tree? There's purpose in the pain. That man right there is Brother Tecla Marion. He is the, the chief, uh, chief apostle there. He's the one that oversaw that work. I believe he's dead now. If he's not dead, he's, he's just about gone. He's, in, he's well in his 80s now. There's purpose in pain. I met Tecla Marion. I met him back in Bible college way back in the day. If you look in my Bible, he signed my Bible. I didn't even realize who the guy was. I didn't know who this guy is. They said, oh, this is Tecla Marion. I was roommating with some guys who were missionaries. Their families were missionaries to Africa. They knew Tecla Marion. They called him Tecla. They knew Brother Tecla. They say, you want to meet Tecla Marion? Sure. Who's Tecla Marion? Well, you know, he's from Ethiopia. Oh, okay. So I meet him. So he signs my Bible. Then I realize this guy's the bishop of millions of people. You wouldn't know him. He's so down to earth. I want you to notice in that picture there behind his hand, there's a picture of a lady. That's his first wife, Sister Erknish. Sister Erknish. There's purpose in pain. Tecla Marion was traveling one time. This is back in the 70s. Was traveling one time, and you see the government in Ethiopia was a communist government for years. Socialist, communist. They couldn't have church. The church faced a lot of persecution. Tecla Marion was gone. And while the way we were at the church during one service, some soldiers came by. They came by and they, walked, they busted into the church and they shot up all the people in the church. Killed them. Machine guns. They loaded all the bodies. Erknish was one of them. They loaded all the bodies on the back of a dump truck. They had dug a mass grave several miles from the church and they were going to bury all the church people. I mean, there was an email then. He didn't have his Apple Watch on. Didn't get an email. Tack it to church. They threw all the bodies in the church, or in the truck, hauled them down. When they got to the mass grave site, they stopped the truck, getting ready to dump the bodies in that hole. When the truck stopped, the people in the back of the truck stood up. God raised every one of them from the dead. And they walked back to the church, bullet holes in their clothes. You know why? Because there's purpose in pain. You want to see three million souls in a country full of the Holy Ghost and baptized? There's purpose in pain. You want God to do something in your life? There's purpose in pain. God has purpose in pain. Don't fight the pain. Don't hate the pain. His grace is sufficient. Paul said, he has three times. I'm getting ready to close. Lord, will you please remove the thorn in my flesh? Please get rid of this. God replied all three times, my grace is sufficient. What was God saying to Paul? He was saying, 
just take care of yourself because there's purpose in the pain. So how did Paul respond? Did he get all mad like we would? Did he start to pout? Did he complain? How did Paul respond? Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Are they all, are they servants of Christ? He said, I know I sound like a madman. This is the new living. But I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on my many, on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Because you see, the church at Corinth, Paul birthed. The church at Ephesus, Paul helped birth. The church at Thessalonica, which if now, if you go to Greece, it's Thessaloniki. The church there, Paul birthed. The church at Colossa, Paul birthed. The church at Philippi, Paul birthed. In fact, he was in a prison there. I've stood at Philippi. It's in northern Greece. And I've seen the foundation of the prison where Paul was. He said, I've birthed all these. These are my children. These are my spiritual children. He said, I've been through all this physical stuff. And he said, every day I worry about my churches. I worry. I got a concern. My concern for all the churches. But God's saying there's purpose in the pain. So what about you and I today? How about us? Look at your neighbor and say, how about you? Come on. Spin around and look at your neighbor. Austin, look at your neighbor and tell her, how about you? Yeah, that's all right. You guys okay? You need counseling? You need to talk to an office or something? Amen. I'm free. I can counsel again. I kept telling everybody, if you need anything, just let me know. Here, Bernie goes in the hospital. RJ's mom goes in the hospital. All I said, man, they're all busy today. They're taking me at my word. Amen. 1 Corinthians 10. This is for us. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Guess what? All of us have problems. All of us have troubles. All of us have pain. All of us have difficulties. Everybody does. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. God's not going to put any more on you than he knows that you can handle. So guess what? When you're in the middle of your pain, when you're in the middle of your trial, when you're in the middle of your struggle, realize he's got confidence in you because he's not putting any more on you than what you can carry. You know, 
If a dad is there and he's got several sons and one's a, in his late teens and another's in his you know, mid-teens and another's nine, he's not going to give the nine-year-old the same load he's going to give the, the 18 or 19-year-old. But he's going to give him what he knows that he can handle. It's the same way with our Heavenly Father. He gives you what you can handle. So when you're in the middle of the pain, he already knows you can handle it. When you're in the middle of the pain, he already knows that you can carry it. The trouble is the devil wants you to think you can't carry it. The trouble is the devil wants you to start thinking strange thoughts that aren't even true, just like Jacob. Oh, surely a wild beast. Surely a wild beast. And how many years, Danny, did that torture his mind? How many years did that torture his mind? And that day when his sons came back and said, Joseph is alive. And you're not going to believe it. No, no, he's not. He doesn't have a restaurant in Egypt. No, he's not the shoe cobbler in Egypt. No, he don't have a little shop in the, little, in the business district in Egypt. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's the prime minister. He's second in command. There's only one man higher than Joseph, and that's Pharaoh. What a testimony, because there's purpose in the pain. So what does that all mean? There's pressure, yeah. There's stress, yeah. We have anxiety, yeah. We might even have sleepless nights if we allow it to take our sleep away from us. That pain. Well, I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I've been baptized. I've been born into the kingdom and family of God. I, I give my tithes. I give my time. I give my talent. I come to church on Sundays. I come to church on Wednesdays. Why is God allowing this pain? Why does he allow this pressure? Why is he allowing humiliation and disappointments? Why? Why? Because God knows there's purpose in the pain. See, he's working on something down the road that you can't see. Because when he was putting Egyptian slavery in the lives of his children for 400 years, what they couldn't see was one day John the Baptist would see his cousin walking down the road and we get a totally new revelation and say, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So God is working in you through the purpose of pain for something down the road that we can't see yet. Something down the road that you cannot even imagine that God wants to do in your life and in the life of your family and posterity. Let's all stand. So we still have the temptations. We still have problems. And we still have difficulties, even though we're of the citizenry of the kingdom of heaven. But Philippians 1.6, a beautiful scripture. A beautiful scripture. Philippians 1.6, the Amplified. And I am convinced and sure of this very thing. This is Paul. That he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return. Watch this word. Developing. 
God is trying to develop in us that good work and perfecting and bringing it in to full completion in you. God's trying to develop through the pain. Don't cast the pain off because there's purpose in the pain. Don't cast it aside because he has a plan. And I'm closing with this, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless, exhausted, and weary, wearied out through faith. Fear, I'm sorry, through fear. Though our outer man is progressively decaying, and wasting away yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day by day oh this is a nice one for if our light affliction for our light affliction our momentary affliction this slight distress of the passing hour the pain ain't going to last always either. It won't last always. You'll get relief from it or something different will come along. God gives you spaces of rest. But this slight distress of the passing hour is ever more and more abundantly, watch, preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons and calculations of vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease. That word, light affliction, in the Greek means stress. Anybody stressed? That's a light affliction. What's it doing? It's building something in me. It's building something in us. And God has a plan for it. But you see, God's not wasting pain because there's purpose in pain. There's answers in pain. There's a process in pain that teaches you where to look and where not to look. That teaches you who to depend on and who you can't depend on. Amen. I want you to close your eyes and Caitlin will sing a little bit. I want you to think about what I've talked about here for the last few minutes. Purpose and pain. Oh, oh, oh. 
trusting you. I don't understand this, but I'm trusting you. Anybody else? Come on. Let's pray. respect and we've tried to wonder and figure out the pain Lord some things will never be answered until we get to the other side some things may never be answered until we get in your presence God. you said Lord to Paul my grace is sufficient so Lord we take that also for areas in our lives that maybe some of us have prayed that you would relieve us from that pain some of us have prayed that you would take that away and God, you haven't yet. Lord, some of us have dealt with prayers that 
We prayed and they didn't get answered the way we thought they should. Oh, but maybe, Lord, the way we thought they should wasn't in your plan. The way we thought the prayer should have been answered maybe wasn't in your way. And maybe wasn't how you had intended and had put it together in our lives. God, give us wisdom today. Somebody asked for wisdom today. Lord, and give us understanding today. Give us understanding, Lord, that you are completely in control. That, Lord, you are completely in control of our lives. And we will give you all. And we will press on in your name. That, God, we may not have answers to some prayers that we prayed. And maybe we do have answers to prayers that we've prayed. And maybe the answer that we prayed for wasn't the answer that you gave us. But, Lord, we accept that with grace today. In Jesus' name, we accept that, Lord, with grace. We accept that as your will, as that perfect and divine plan that you have. Oh, God. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, help us today to realize that even though we are born into the kingdom, that life is still life, that situations and circumstances still happen, that hurt and pain will come into our lives. But maybe we can look at it more now that there is purpose in this pain, that you are trying to build in me something greater beyond what I see now, beyond what I feel now, beyond what I hurt and suffer now. There's something greater that you're trying to build. And Lord, I'm sure, I'm sure, Lord, those people, those Israelites that were slaves in Egypt, that closed their eyes in death thousands of years ago, that when they closed their eyes, and even though many had prayed for freedom, they still closed their eyes in captivity and in slavery. But Lord, on the other side of eternity, they will realize that they were the building blocks that you used to bring salvation to the millennia that will be forever in your glorious estate one day. So Lord, help us with that same understanding to realize that we may not see the answer in our lifetime. We may not see the answer, Lord, next week or today. We may not see the answer for many years to come, but Lord, we trust you in Jesus' name. We trust you in Jesus' name. Can I get a witness on that? Anybody going to trust the Lord in here now? I'm going to trust you, Lord. I don't understand it, but I'm going to trust you because there's purpose in pain. Purpose in pain. Before you leave, I've shared this before. Maybe somebody hasn't heard it. My prayer was that, one of my prayers was that my mom would not have to go to a nursing home. My dad didn't have to go to a nursing home. My grandparents didn't have to go to a nursing home. And I didn't want my mom to go to a nursing home. Well, my mom went to a nursing home five and a half years. Now, I didn't get mad. I didn't resign. I didn't walk out on God. Because, you know, God's in control. And I'll never forget 
when my mom was still able to go to the church services in the nursing home, when she couldn't go anymore with my aunt, my aunt would always come pick her up. And by the way, my aunt is 90 and still drives, okay? And if you look at her, she looks like she's 65. That's the, the genes on one side, anyhow. I don't know if I'll get there or not. But when my aunt could not get her to church anymore because she couldn't walk, but they would wheel my mom into the, the activity room on a Sunday or on a Thursday night if they had a gospel singing. And when I would go visit my mom, she would talk about how good church was and how good the gospel singing was. Because, see, before that, I had just kind of put, well, nursing home ministry. Because, you know, I'm, I can't hardly handle nursing homes. Nursing homes are tough. I mean, you, you know, you walk down the hallway and you got people yelling at you and clawing at you. It's tough. And I had just kind of put nursing home ministry on a back burner. And the Lord said to me, you see how she likes church in the nursing home? Somebody had that vision to bring me to her when she couldn't go out anymore. A life lesson learned. There was purpose in the pain. Amen. So whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're looking at, whatever you're going through, God's got it. God's building something greater. Amen. God's got a plan. You got something uplifting to send us out of here? Yeah, we want you. I will give you all or something. You know that one? I will give you all if all about you asking me. Oh, you need to learn that one. Got to get on the ball. Then sings my soul. Let's sing that before we leave. My Savior God. bless you. Enjoy your week. You're dismissed. Listen, seven o'clock Wednesday night, church here. Amen. I'll be here unless I'm quarantined again. Don't plan on it. Amen. Greet each other. Don't forget Macy's reception Saturday, Unity Baptist from four to six. Everybody's invited to come share in her accomplishment. Amen. Greet each other.